Welcome to The Savvy Founder, the one place for entrepreneurs and business owners, away from the everyday bustle, where we help you find your path to a profitable and bright future. Now here's your host, The Savvy Founder and armchair sociologist himself, Philip Topham. Hello, I'm Philip Topham. Uh, welcome to The Savvy Founder. I'm really happy today to have Tom Mays on board and uh, having him share his story. Welcome, Tom. Hey, Phil. Thanks for having me here. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it, I was. Uh, Tom and I met in the Big Phenomena Clubhouse uh, a short while ago, and I got to hear Tom on stage moderating a room and got just the barest uh, background of his story, and then we connected. And I was very impressed with that story and really think you should hear what he's been up to and what he's been uh, there. So with that, Tom, why don't you just give the audience a little bit about your background of, of you know, how do you become an entrepreneur? What were you doing? I know you started a very young age. So like how, how, when you ask that, when somebody says, when did you start? When, when did you start on this entrepreneurial journey? Great question. Uh, I loved I love thinking back to my childhood too because it's um, it was a lot of fun. Um, and to, to can you give you a little bit of a background that spurred on a lot of like early development and maturity? Uh, my dad and I we were in a really bad car accident when I was in grade three, and that day my dad was concussed so bad that it changed his personality from that point forward. And there was a whole bunch of like. Um, you know, drug and alcohol and, and whatnot going on in our household, a lot of disturbances for about seven years, he was off work for about five. And then my parents ended up splitting up due to that. Um, so it caused me to like grow up quite a qu quite quickly going through that uh, interesting time period, to say the least. And then what got me started originally was I just saw how big uh, an importance money was in life. You know, I watched my uncles and aunts and cousins struggling paycheck to paycheck, um, you know, and I just thought like, man, I, I don't want to have that kind of stress in my life if I don't have to. Um, so I'm going to work hard because, you know, it seems like if the people that do have money under control, they have a lot more freedom than the other people. So that was a lot of my main inspiration when I when I really started to pursue entrepreneurship, because uh, I saw like if I had control of money instead of having money control me, uh, my lifestyle was going to be significantly different. So my first entrepreneurial venture was actually probably right around the same time, maybe actually grade five, probably was uh, I, I convinced my brother to go buy my, uh, my me a whole bunch of fireworks. So he went around Halloween a week before Halloween. He went and bought about $800 worth of fireworks for me, which I saved up from like all my birthdays and Christmas gifts. And then um, every Halloween from that point forward, I was making anywhere from like $700 to like $1,800 in a Halloween when I was in like... <laughs> yeah, that's going to be every uh, every boy's, uh, you know, you, you must have been um, really pleased to be selling fireworks. Like every young boy wants to blow up things, I think. Oh, totally. It was super fun. It was super fun. It, it uh, made a lot of friends. I really learned how to hustle and make some sales and a lot of unlimited fireworks for myself and my immediate friends because we we're always having lots of fun with that. Um, but yeah, we were blowing up stuff causing not too much trouble. Generally, I was pretty good, good, 
good kid, but I was, I was a businessman, pretty, pretty young making sales. And that's what I uh, got into originally. And then I actually played a lot of video games and in the video games, you could like, uh, you know, make currency or you could work for currency in the video games. And there was like auctioneering sites um, on the, on the games as well. And I would just be a business person in the video games and realize that I had more resources to make money in the video games. So I did that as well. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, that would be my first venture. And then in high school, I just kept doing lots of different side projects, bought and sold a lot of dirt bikes, cars, owned a car when I was like 15 before I could even drive. So, so, so help me understand that. So the, the leap from fireworks to video games to real life back and forth, uh, exactly what did you know what was that nugget that really made you realize that you could buy and sell things in the way you did because that's not you know I, I you know I know when I was 11 12 13 you know I was trying to figure out the the paper route I was doing the paper route thing and and had a garage full of paper papers and inserts and delivering them uh but I wasn't thinking about buying and selling things. I was always thinking about what service I could do. So how did that come about? Right. That's a, I actually never even thought about that. I think that was just something that came intuitive. Like I understood the, the whole marketing system. I un, Well, not the whole marketing system, but I understood, understood the concept of stores. You buy in bulk, then you sell individually for a higher price. And that concept just made total sense to me. So with the fireworks, I thought, okay, my friends are willing to pay 10 bucks for, you know, this package of fireworks. I know I can get them for $3. Well, obviously that's a smart business decision <laughs> to make some money. So I would buy in bulk and uh, that, that whole just shopping concept made sense to me, wholesaling and then selling. Right. Very nice. That's a, that's a very good lesson for a lot of people is that there's, always a product there's value and there's value in distributing it there's value in providing it to people at a convenience right totally and that's what it was right it was it was hard for people kids to get their hands on that kind of stuff in grade five six and seven so i cornered the market I, <laughs> <laughs> I could just see you now <laughs> yeah it was pretty funny and then in high school one of my best friends today Braden Planko huge shout out to him I love that guy um, we we do lots of business together now but he was selling energy drinks and like protein bars out of his locker in high school and I was like the fireworks guy um, so so we had like a big competition going on at school who could make the most money and we were kind of rivals at first but then we realized we had the same mindset so we ended up becoming best buddies but right it, and but you, you grew up with a smartphone in your hand, right? Um, well, I had a flip phone. I think the first time I got a phone was in grade two or three, which was just a flip phone. And then I got the very first like Android phone, I think was in grade, grade eight or grade nine. Right. So did you use the phone for connecting with your, with, with folks that wanted to buy? Was that like... Was that an enable? Did that enable the sales process? Basic communication, like text and, yeah. and phone yeah. calls. Um, but there was no like 
social media marketing or like Facebook or anything like that. It okay. Yeah. Actually, I did use Facebook, but I didn't use it from my phone. It was from my from my computer at home. Right. Yeah. And then as you and I, we were talking, you, you got into trading, right? Stock trading, and yeah. commodities trading. How, how did that come about? That's, it's not normal for, uh, I'd say normal. It's not the, it's not a common hobby at that age. Yeah, totally. So I remember being at some family get togethers at Christmas or Easter or Thanksgiving. And I remember my dad and our uncles talking about stocks and um, the concept made made a lot of sense to me as well. You buy a share in a company when it's young and then it grows in value and it increases in value. And um, I, I found that very intriguing, very intriguing. Anything that had to do with making money for me resulted in making or providing myself and my family for more freedom. So um, I was always very drawn to that. And when I heard about the stock market and um, you know, how much money you could make, but also lose. Uh, I just wanted to learn more about it. So I was just asking my dad a ton about it, ton, a ton, a ton. And he's like a medium active, you know, stock trader. He's very active now in the past four years now. But um, back when I was younger, he wasn't doing it a whole lot. So I just asked him tons of questions. And I think I started buying my first stock maybe when I was like about 17 at the time, 17. Yeah, most of the time before 17, I was buying and selling dirt bikes, snowmobiles, cars, um, you know, bikes, skateboards, you name it. I pretty much bought it and sold it. Everything a young man wants, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Very nice. And then, so after doing the stock trading and, and you said your your uh, family or your dad did stock training. So you had access to a mentor, somebody to train. So how did you get beyond what his skills were? Cause you've, you've expanded since then. So how did that happen? Mm-hmm. Great question. Great question. So, um, I actually took quite the detour right out of high school. I did a little bit of stock trading and investing. I actually had an advisor for about two or three years and I watched him make me like six or f- like anywhere from 4% to 7% per year. And I thought it was kind of a joke. Um, so I decided to put more time and effort into it. But that time period of three or four years while I had my money with him, I, I got into affiliate marketing a lot uh, and building teams of affiliates to work with. And another just similar concept to buying and selling, you know, we, we get a you know, whatever it is, like a package of vitamins for $20 and I sell it for 30 um, online or, or in person. So I built multiple teams of affiliates and that's where I got a vast majority of my coaching and mentoring was through, um, being mentored in that space. And, uh, because my dad was up in Kamloops and my mom was living down here in, uh, Langley with, uh, with my brother, I didn't have like a huge father figure for a little while. My brother stepped in at that point to offer that service. But uh, with with this affiliate marketing company, I was really able to find two guys. One was 38 and then one was about 60 years old. And they really coached and mentored me a, a significant amount, not around investment or trading, but it was strictly around, um, you know, entrepreneurial mindset, growth, networking, communication skills, uh, marketing, how to present yourself, leadership skills, so you could build team, work with people. And that was really what spurred on like my personal growth journey 
uh, read like at least a book a month, um, podcast every single day, went to leadership seminars every two or three months. Sorry for my dog barking in the background there. Um, and then, <laughs> well, the, everybody will go, wait. So the question is that the, all the listeners will want to know is what kind of dog is it? Ah, uh, it's a, it's a multi-poo crossfish shih tzu. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So, so help me understand on the, on the, you did the affiliate marketing. Were you looking for a mentor at that time or they just presented themselves at that time? Good question. Uh, subconsciously, I was looking, but consciously, I was not. Um, so when I was presented with the opportunity, I was quite skeptical of it at the time, kind of getting prospected for it. Um, but I wouldn't say like, if you talk to me at that time, Hey, I was looking for a mentor. I just happened mm -hmm. to find a business model that I liked and a way to make money that I liked. And I saw that there was support and coaching and mentoring available. And as soon as I saw the power and how much that changed my life, then I was like, Holy crap, like a mentor coach is so powerful it can just make you make leaps and bounds a progression in comparison to if you were just doing it on your own um yeah that's uh as i've done this 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 startup and the podcast and that sort of stuff there's a phrase that uh uh steve Olsher uses um and i've heard it a, a lot of times and that is uh rich people trade money for time and then poor people spend time to save money right and they, that coach uh person that mentor that you had had a lifetime of experiences right they could share that with you and accelerate your time right so oh. I, I think that's uh something that we don't we just don't talk about we always listen to our parents but we should be looking for other people well beyond that so you have a lot of coaches and, and mentors in your circle and networking and, uh, you know, how do you go about, um, uh, I guess, what got you to read the 300 books? Was it the mentors got you to read those 300 books or was it just your own inquisitiveness? Yeah. So I, I kind of became like addicted to personal growth. <laughs> like <laughs> I had this rule where I'd read 10 pages a day minimum, and then I would listen to a podcast 30 minutes a day minimum. I would talk with my coach at least one text message a day minimum. Um, and then it evolved from there where I was like, okay, well, I, I read two books specifically, The Go-Giver and The Compound Effect. And when I read those books, um, I literally put them down multiple times and just stared at a wall. And I couldn't believe how much it changed, like massive paradigm shifts. And I realized like if this, these two books could change this much about my mindset and my skill sets, like what would more do? And I just started reading more, reading more, reading more, reading more, more podcasts, more podcasts. And I got to the point where I was like working um, and I would like listen to books on two times speed, two and a half times speed for nine hours a day. And I would crush a book a day um, on audio and I would do two, three, four books a week, some weeks. Um, so I it kind of got progressive and, you know, I can't count, you know, tens of thousands of hours worth of podcasts. So over about a five-year time period. I estimate 300 books, but it was probably uh, quite a bit more than that. But um, it was just really the progression that I saw in my personal development. That was just unbelievable. That, that's, uh, yeah. So if you're listening right now, it, it, that is something that every entrepreneur can do is read a book, 
do two times speed, do it a little bit, just like Tom's been doing. And it's free. The public library has tons of things. You don't need, you know, lots of money to make money. You can do that for free. For That's priceless. And, and I, I just want to really point that out for you guys. So now what are you doing? You know, you've, you've learned all this stuff and I, I met you on pod on, on clubhouse. And so what are you doing now? Or what's, uh, you know, uh, we talked about the, uh, well, let's answer that question first. What are you doing now? Totally. So it's been quite a, quite an adventure for sure. Um, so, so right now we've got a, we've got a hedge fund business. It's called Squadra Capital. Uh, it's based in Vancouver, Canada. That's where I live. Got a head office in downtown Vancouver. And then um, I live just outside this city. Um, and we are a commodity and currency trading hedge fund, a uh, little bit of equities, but primarily focus in commodities and currencies because we wanted to design a scalable trading strategy. So when we reach you know, 100 million, 200 million, we're not having to massively redesign our strategy. As you get larger in the equity space, it's harder and harder to move your money through the market. Um, and yeah, so I met my business partner, Brandon, about four years ago. It took us about six months to eight months to identify that there was a good business partnership available there, uh, relationship. He's uh, 38 years old. And um, yeah, we just built that relationship really well with him. And then we decided to go into the investment space because we're both passionate about it. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal trader and uh, portfolio manager. And um, we decided to, we were actually going to start in the wealth management space, but the regulatory requirements of managing people's money and like offering advice and portfolio distribution for individual clients, it's a whole nother level of regulation. So that's something that we're going to look into in the future, but currently we're just strictly on the investment side. Uh, we don't act as an advisor. It's just an investment opportunity. Um, so we've been launched for just about coming up a year now uh, since our official launch with the fund. And now we're just looking to dot our I. Well, we dotted our I's and crossed our T's for the past year, year and a half, but we built the company. We've got a team of six good CTO in position. Our web application should be finished in the next, say, week or two here. Uh, and now we're really looking to scale the fund and onboard some more investment capital. So we're still a pretty small fund with only 15 investors at this point. Very nice. So you and I talked briefly around the Silicon Valley myth, right? And I, I kind of want to get your take on it. The Silicon Valley myth is uh, this, I believe Silicon Valley is the new Hollywood of Broken, broken promises and dashed dreams where people think they can walk into a coffee shop, have a conversation and simply walk out with a $5 million check. And it, it, there's something more than that, right? So do you agree with that or, or disagree with that first off? You, you yeah. Think? Yeah. That's a very interesting like topic because first off, I think 90% of people that think they need this $5 million check actually don't need this $5 million check. Um, and if they just bootstrapped the business and built it from the ground up, um, they would learn more in the process. It would have a more solid foundation. It would be actually poised for more long-term growth and sustainability if they actually don't get that $5 million check. And then, there, of course, there are the 10% of people that are very experienced and they actually can use that five million dollars correctly to launch that business 
um, because you need a lot of experience. You need a very strong team to facilitate even engaging that kind of capital in, in a startup business, right? And a lot of these young entrepreneurs, they they don't like they they say they know what they're going to do with that five million, but it's another thing to actually have it in your bank account and start to utilize it. You're going to have so many inefficiencies, most likely, like I said, unless you're very experienced with it. So um, we're I'm a huge uh, advocate for for bootstrapping businesses, uh, and then in the in the fact that if you do decide that you need that five million and you you got the team in place to utilize it correctly. Uh, and the right business platform, then you know you better be ready to pitch a lot of people before you get that five million dollars. Um, I would say, you know, get ready to have a couple hundred no's before you find the right person. Unless, you know, obviously you could hit it first time on the dot, but the reality of that is very slim. But that's business in general. If you're doing any kind of sales, any kind of fundraising, you got to go for, through the numbers, build the relationships, build the credibility. So. To think that you're going to walk in a coffee shop on day one with this one guy that you got a referral from, from your cousin, you know, chances of you walking out with five million <laughs> that day. Yeah, yeah. I, I must, every time I said you my cousin, I always think of my, the movie, My Cousin Vinny. So I always yeah. smile at that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so I want to key into to that. The You said a couple of things. Is One is it... You have to have a savvy, a, a capable of team to know even how to spend the five million. And then you also said to have all the relationships and connections. Wh- which is which is more important, the, the relationships and the connections, or the or the the knowledge and, the, and a capable team? Mm, that's a good question. But I would say like they they both really need to go hand in hand. Um, like it, if you're building like maybe a software business or something, you maybe don't need to have as many connections because it's not as people based if you have some really good marketing skills. Um, but I think the team, the t- you need to have a really strong team and knowledge of how to scale a business. You can always find the network connections if you have someone that's good on your team with networking. Um, you know, it just depends on your resourcefulness. I think that's number one key is you need to be able to have a strong team that you can rely on that you trust. And then you need to be extremely resourceful to find uh, the people and the connections that you're going to need to, to scale properly. What is, what does that mean? Be extremely resourceful. What, what, what did, what did you do? Is there hacks? Is there tips to make to what that means? Yeah, for sure. So, resourceful to me is just like it's it's using like i love this saying um you know if, if if information was everything we should all have like six pack abs we should all be astronauts and we should should be billionaires like we have access to unlimited information in today's age with the internet you can absolutely learn anything you want at any time um but properly using those resources is what I consider to be resourceful. So, um, you know, networking on LinkedIn, talking to your cousins, you know, finding people that are willing to assist you instead of just getting to a roadblock and then kind of throwing your hands up in the air and then not knowing how to progress. Resourcefulness is being capable of overcoming those roadblocks using the tools that are available. And in today's age, the tools that we have available in my opinion, and the information is virtually limitless. It's just your ability to to utilize the tools. 
your ability to utilize the tools. I, I really do like that. I, I coach a lot of startups and uh, they do often think that uh, uh, build it and they will come uh, approach to things, right? Yeah. Uh, and finding people that are willing to assist them and being willing to listen and, yeah. and learn and challenge yourself, challenge your own situation. Uh, I'm a firm believer we're all sort of prisoners of what we learned. Mm. And until we choose to learn something new, then, then we become freer. Right. Right. right? Totally, know, so totally. so we, nice. we become free when, we, when we're willing to learn um, and have discourse and conversation. So uh, very priceless. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I, 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 one more saying, I think we sure. might've mentioned this on the clubhouse call was, um, you know, they, 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 in the past, the, the people that have had the best knowledge and the best education have performed the best. But as a technology is developing at such an exponential rate, they're now saying like, it's not going to be pe the people that know the most that are going to excel. It's going to be the people that can unlearn and relearn the quickest that are going to excel because you need you, as an entrepreneur, as a person in today's age, like things are changing so quickly, you need to be able to adapt very quickly. So. I agree with uh, what you were saying there. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I look at my own past and I, I've, I call myself a serial uh, specialist, right? I, I've had to reinvent myself over and over again. And I, I think the, uh, I agree with you, the technology, I don't know what kind of drones we'll have in the future, robots, AI, machine learning, it'll be all new. We'll have all new jobs. There'll be new things I never even dreamed existed. So yeah, being resilient, absolutely. So, uh, I'm sure you, you know, if you were to, you know, what what advice do you also give to um, your peers that are your age and, and younger that are starting and they're starting out? They're, they're they're they maybe went they, you know, choose first off, do I go to college? Do I not go to college? Right. And then secondly, do I, you know, if I go to college, what do I do next? Do I work for somebody? Do I work for myself? What advice do you give? folks phenomenal question it's one of my favorites and um you asked me before if i have a lot of coaches and mentors and i and i've got like two or three that i work on but i consider them more coaches at the moment because they're more of skill set developing than um, a mentor in my opinion is more like life coaching and life skills and and whatnot so there's a bit of a difference there but um, i'm more in the space of coaching and mentoring others at the moment um, now, so with that being said, with your question, um, the number one thing I have for advice is I see so many people getting out of high school or going into college or university or coming out of it, and they, they have this conditioned mindset that's taught us that we need to figure out what we need to do for the rest of our life. And I think it's an absolute ridiculous question because one, how can you ever determine what you want to do for 60 years? I mean, you could tell me to do my, one of my favorite things is dirt biking or snowboarding. If I did either of those for eight hours a day, 40 hours a week for like 60 years, chances are I'm not going to like it anymore. Right. right. So what I tell people is like figure out and, and it's so stressful trying to figure that out. Like it's virtually impossible in my opinion, or it is. So figure out what you want to do with your life. What do you want to accomplish? What kind of impact do you want to make? What kind of values do you have? 
And then as long as you're fulfilling your values and what you want your life to look like, then you can pursue virtually anything that fits within those categories. So um, if that's also too hard to identify at this time, that's fine. What I tell people is just figure out what you want to do for five years, right? What do you want to do for the next five years? For me, that's, that's all I needed. I did affiliate marketing for a while. I did investments for a while. I did a bunch of different businesses for a while. And now what I want to do for the next five years is hedge fund business. And for me, actually, you know, I can very confidently say I want to do it for the next 15, 20, 25 years. I really enjoy, enjoy this industry, but I had to jump from thing to thing to thing to thing, you know, nine or 10 times before I actually said like, wow, you know, this is something that's scalable. I like the people in the industry. There's lots of opportunity. Now I'm going to pursue this. But, you know, if you asked me when I was 16, 17, 18, 19, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? I would have been like <laughs> 18 years old. It's like drive cars and chase girls, you know, 19 years old. It's like, I want to sell dirt bikes for the rest of my life. You know, it's just like, it, and then 20, it's affiliate marketing. I want to start Amazon stores, you know, it just changed so, so quickly right. as my personal development uh, continued and my mindset continued um, and experienced different things. So try to figure out what you want to do for five years instead of the rest of your life. It's a very, um, you know, much more manageable thing to, to understand and then take the time to figure out your values, your ethics, your morals, what you want to accomplish with your life, what kind of impact you want to leave. Um, you know, I like to tell people to help with that is, you know, when you die, what do you want to be remembered for? Because that's really going to be, you know, your impact, you know, it's not going to be the, I wish, people remembered me for having my 10 nice supercars and my big boat. You know? <laughs> That's not what you're going to want to be remembered for. So um, I don't know. I like to plan backwards, you know, think really long-term and then kind of plan backwards. But am I going to be in the hedge fund business until I'm, I want to live to 115 years old at least. So like, probably not, maybe I'll start this business, then sell it and then do something else, you know? So like, I, I think that's a ridiculous question. So that's some of the advice I give. <laughs> yeah, nice. And, and I really, really do like that, that, that this uh, conditioned mindset that we have to choose what we're going to do for the rest of our lives. Uh, you know, one of the reasons that the, you know, the, the cover art has a path is I think it's about life's journey, where you're going, how you're doing every, around every corner is a different situation. Um, it might be a molehill or a mountain. You know, mm -hmm. and it and some people might think a mountain's a hard thing. And it, frankly, some people like to climb mountains, and that's the best thing of their life is climbing mountains. Others, they see a molehill, they trip over it, and they go flat on their face, and they think, "Oh my God, you know, I'm tripping." Right? So yeah. it's all your perspective of your journey, right? Totally. I also think about this: uh, nobody should compare your path to somebody else's. That's when jealousy and anger and all those negative things happen. If I look at somebody else that's got the, you know. That that's scoring by the six Lamborghinis in the driveway, um, yeah. and I go look at my driveway and I got a you know a, a beater, uh, you know, but I'm enjoying doing other things and you know who's to say you know it's it's your own individual journey, right? Meanwhile, the guy with the six Lamborghinis is super depressed and he has no friends and no family. Meanwhile, you've got a super nice family and great people that love and care for you, and your happiness is way higher, right? It's yeah, I totally agree with you. And then one thing to add on as well with the whole five year thing is, in my opinion, technology is developing so quickly that um, you almost need to change what you're doing every five to 10 years. 
Um, you know, you could choose to even the hedge fund business, let's say hedge fund business seems like a great idea. But then in six years from now, the AI trading is so incredible that hedge funds become irrelevant. You know, right. <laughs> if, right. if we don't have an incredible AI, then then we're not even a competitor. You know, look at how many businesses and things have changed in the past 10 years that no longer exists. So you need to be ready to adapt. So if you put all your money in black blockbuster and you're like, man, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life is rent, you know, movies and Netflix came out. Now you don't know what to do for the rest of your life. So figure out your values, your goals, what you want to be remembered for, and then you can adapt along the way. Right. So wonderful advice. And then, but it's all linked to that adaptability, all this, the entrepreneurial mindset skills, right? Being able to talk to people, to seek advice, to um, be willing to change, to be willing to learn, to try new things, to fail, to, to get up and pick yourself up and move forward, right? Those are, right? Those are all, you know, entrepreneurial skills. I'm, a, I'm very, obviously I'm very bullish on being entrepreneurial, you know, yeah. uh, you know, don't work for somebody else. Uh, you, you know, and if you do work for somebody else, expect to not work for them for very long. You have a new job, a new career, and, and have to adapt, right? Totally, totally agree, totally agree. So as you're building out the, you know, uh, your your hedge fund and that sort of stuff, so what what is that um, that time horizon look like? Uh, what, what, what do you want to be remembered for? Mm. Um, are you, when you say time horizon, like for, for the hedge fund, or you mean like what I want my life to stand for when I, yeah. What, what, yeah. Give it, gives us, yeah. What do you want your life to stand for Tom? Oh, I love that. That's, that's a, that's a great question. I, <laughs> <laughs> I might've stopped you, but you know, you know, I, I, I know started... my, I know if I asked myself when I was 24, um, it would have been quite a bit different, right? Yeah, no, I think about this a lot, you know, and I write about it a lot too. Um, so for myself, when I when I pass away, I want to be remembered just for like the the relationships I built, the people that I touched, the people that I helped indirectly and directly. So what I want my life to do is the impact that I want to make is um, I want to be like a combination of Tony Robbins and Elon Musk. So I love <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love coaching and mentoring one-on-one. I get an incredible amount of significance and fulfillment from really strong relationships where I can help people grow into the best versions of themselves. Um, And uh, on my website, it says reaching our potential, tommays.com. So I do a lot of one-on-one coaching. And then one step below that is going to be like the seminars, maybe do some courses, maybe do some books in the future um and providing value to more of the masses maybe do a podcast you know i like the whole tony maybe be a speaker for tony robbins at some point join him in some massive ten thousand people events i just think that would be fantastic adding value there on leadership or entrepreneurial mindset um and then the other side of that is the business impact and i want to create companies that um really do like change the world through through innovation and technology so what elon musk is doing with like Neuralink and spacex and tesla um you know green energy all of that kind of stuff that's actually progressing mankind um i want to i don't know if i'm smart enough to be able to like be the guy heading those projects but i want to be like on the (laughs) board you know and i want to be helping funding the project and and bringing network connections and resources and um, helping, helping with the, with the company's growth. So 
um, that's, that's where I see a lot of uh, global impact coming from as well. So the hedge fund business is a phenomenal vehicle um, to make an impact as well. Like I think helping people grow their, their investments is you know, a great thing to do. And then we're also gonna take a lot of that money to um, you know, start some innovative companies or invest into innovative companies and help with that space as well. But I know that to accomplish those two big dreams and goals of being like a Tony Robbins and an Elon Musk, I have so much work to do to even start to like consider being like one of those guys. I'm so far behind. It's not even. <laughs> so. If you're behind it, uh, if you're behind, then I'm really behind. <laughs> no, no, but but we're 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 each on. Uh, uh, it's wonderful to see, frankly. So it's wonderful. So yeah. Um, last last question, and then. Uh, is there, is there any, um, uh, you know, how do you, how do you do with mental models or aha moments? If you have, you know, I think you already said one of your aha moments was the two books that you read and then they changed your life is, is there, is there anything else that rises up to that level as a, an aha moment for you? Yeah. Yeah. They, um, there's been, there's been a few, um, the first one was the aha moment. The very first one I had was just like being aware at family dinners, um, like how much stress was caused by money. And you'd hear uncle, like I remember like uncles or aunts and they're like, man, I can't fix the car or I can't get a new roof for my house because of money and money, this money, that kids can't go play soccer because money, this money, that. And I was just like, man, like, I don't want to live that life. Like that was a huge aha moment for me where I was like, I never want to worry about money. Like I want to worry about people. I want to worry about making an impact, not about some stupid thing called money, right? Just limited my whole life. So that was a major aha moment for me. Um, personal development was a major one. Um, just before personal development was actually huge shout out to Caleb Miller who forced my fat ass to get to the gym and start working out. Uh, I was quite chubby in high school and I was in like grade nine, grade 10. And he started getting me to go to the gym. And when I realized that I could change my body over the matter of three or four months through repetitive working out, um, I, I realized like, wow, if I can change my body, I can change anything if I'm willing to put in the work and the time to make it happen. So then I saw that at the gym saw the development there, got addicted to going to the gym. I call it an addiction, but just passionate about it. <laughs> and then in the personal growth, I was like, I did it once or two, one or two books realized, wow, if I apply the gym work ethic to my personal development reading, that's going to be another aha moment there. Um, and then mentorship and coaching was another aha moment when I realized that the, you can find people that are 10 steps ahead of you and they're willing to pull you to another to a higher level at a quicker pace than you doing it on your own. Um, that would be another aha moment. And then another one recently in the past year has been like the power of a team, you know, like I think a lot of us get caught up on, Oh, I want to be the guy or I want to be doing everything and I want things done my way. But if you can just find like five guys and the amount of work that five people can do compared to one is just like so ridiculous. And it just sounds like so stupid to even say, right. But it's so true. Like a strong team compared to you trying to be the one guy that's trying to build this business on your own. It's just, 
it's not worth the stress. You can go so much further. You can go so much bigger. Um, so just developing a good team and good networking skills. And, and that was another aha moment for me recently. Excellent. Excellent. All fantastic advice. I really appreciate that. So Tom, how would the uh, audience get in touch with you or uh, reach you if they wanted to? So I've got a, um, an Instagram, of course, Tom Mays. Uh, I think it's Tom underscore Mays. And then a personal website, which is just TomMays.com. Uh, you can go to squadracapital.com. Uh, it's currently down, should be back up in the next week. And then, you know, Facebook, Tom Mays, yeah. Twitter, Tom Mays, pretty much yeah. on every platform. Great. Yeah. And we'll have that in the show, in the show notes. So uh, for everybody that's out there listening to this uh, podcast, uh, I hope you understand the gift that you've been given today and the advice. It's never too late to start on your journey and move forward. The world is changing super duper fast and you just need to change and accept that's going to change. It'll be different. So with that, take care, wishing you a bright and profitable future in both your personal and business lives. Take care. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to subscribe and check out our website for tips, thesavvyfounder.com. You can also follow Philip on Clubhouse at The Savvy Founder, wishing you a profitable and bright future. Safe journeys. See you next week.